Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Joel. You're welcome. I'm Father Spencer. I'm one of the co-rectors here at the table. So thankful to be worshiping with you all this morning. Today, I proclaim good news in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church, today we proclaim the good news that resurrection is both here and it is coming. Jesus is revealing to us that resurrection life is not just for after death, but it's for today. As you stand surrounded by death, destruction, injustice, receive and step into resurrection living today. Last Easter, Easter 2022, I preached a sermon that was all about the tension that we find in Eastertide. We come in and celebrate the resurrection, but in the midst of it, we're still surrounded by death. Wars in Sudan, people at risk, loved ones lost recently or in the year previous, people that we still miss. Even, and maybe especially in Eastertide, we're confronted with this already but not yet kingdom that we're called into. This past Friday, I was meeting with Father Matt, and we ran into one of our colleagues from the Diocese of Indianapolis who was working on a sermon, and we asked each other how Easter had gone at our churches, we talked about how beautiful the whole Holy Week was, multiple service. It's really tiring for a clergy person that week, but it's one of the best weeks of the year, and it all culminates on Easter Sunday. And this priest that we were chatting with, who was working away, I presumed on his sermon for today, said, yeah, it was a beautiful service. I went home and I took a power nap for an hour, and I woke up and I had a text message saying that someone had died. And so when I met him and saw him on Friday, he was actually working on a sermon for that funeral. Last Sunday in Mallory's sermon, which I think was aimed at Easter joy, I don't know. Yes? <laughs> uh, her sermon that was aimed at a celebration at Easter joy culminated in a room full of people weeping together. This room was flooded with tears. We had been confronted as a community with bomb threats at our children's schools, another round of shootings in schools nearby, and just all around confronted with the reality that even as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, we still see death around us. The reconciliation of all things has not come to full fullness yet. And so we find ourselves in a not too dissimilar place from the disciples after Christ's resurrection. In Acts, our passage picks up right after Jesus has been visiting. He's been showing up and appearing to the disciples for over a period of 40 days and teaching them and preparing them. Right before our passage begins, he says, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this prompted them to say, is this the time you'll restore sovereignty to Israel? Because still, their imagination for what God was doing wasn't full. They couldn't see the picture in fullness. It may just be me, but this question, is this the time that you'll restore sovereignty to Israel? kind of beckons to uh, make Israel great again statement. I mean, when was sovereignty 
in Israel. When were the good old days in Israel? Was it when King David was looking down upon Bathsheba? What were the good old days that they longed for? But this was their best imagination for what it would look like. They were an oppressed and occupied people. And they were longing for this political revolution. But their, their scope, their view of what this reconciliation looked like was limited. And so they asked, is this the time that you'll restore sovereignty to Israel? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the time, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Now, there's multiple ways of even reading this passage. Are we to assume that the disciples' assumptions or expectations are true, but the timing is what's left to be a mystery to them? Or is this lack of clarity on timing just an encouragement for them to get on living, to live into the re- re- resurrection reality that was already springing forth unbeknownst to them in areas of their existence? Empowered by the Holy Spirit to bear witness, they're called to live into the rule and reign of Christ in their time, just like we're called to live into it now. Even as we celebrate Easter and then look outside our doors and see that creation has not been restored to fullness, we are still called to live into the reality of Christ's rule and reign. It occurs to me that the disciples are focused on a limited redemption. They're they're focused on like a surface-level political revolution. It's not that what they were longing for was all bad because God's desire, I believe, for his people was for them not to be an occupied and oppressed people. But what they were aiming for and longing for was limited. It didn't have a full comprehension of the goodness that God had for them. Oftentimes, currently, it becomes like a false dichotomy between political and spiritual. It's either one or the other. And I think there's a temptation here even to think about the disciples' perspective as longing for this political change as something that's wholly unspiritual, that it's separate from, it's not a part of or related to It's as if nowadays you might hear, if you're too bent out of shape about something, then you need to be less political, become more spiritual. Ironically, spirituality is often kind of driving the car for pushing forward certain legislation. But when it comes time to be upset about injustice, that's when we're becoming too political. Of course, of course, the resurrection is political because it touches every part of our lives Politics is the means by which we define and codify justice. And so, of course, politics has everything to do with spirituality. Resurrection life is the foundation for all of life. It's not just a pie-in-the-sky idea. It's not a story that we tell ourselves just to feel better. But it has real-world, concrete implications for what we do with our day-in and day-out life, with our words, at work, in our relationships, Our psalm today, it says things like, I will bless she who is God at all times. Her praise shall ever be in my mouth. I sought she who saves, and she answered me and delivered me out of my terror. Look upon her and be radiant, and let not your faces be ashamed. Taste and see that she who is delight is good. Happy are those who trust in her. I, again, if we read Acts as this sort of veiled, secretive spirituality that's saying, your assumptions may be right, but you just won't know the timing. 
It's easy to read these as kind of empty niceties in Psalms, like a nice little bit of poetry, kind of akin to when there's two sets of footprints on the sand, and then there's one. But this is not a fluffy spirituality just to help us float through without getting too bogged down by the way things are. We're being called out of a someday sentimental spirituality. That type of spirituality is only strong enough to curb our dread for a tad, maybe. But friends, this psalm passage, this is not that. This is describing the divine life, all of life, taste, and see that she who is delight is good. Taste and see. When we allow our assumptions about what resurrection looks like to shift, we begin stepping out of this someday sentimental spirituality and into a spirituality that actually lives well. Perhaps we see this most clearly in John where Jesus says, the hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. The message says, it's urgent that you get this right. The time has arrived. I mean right now. When dead men and women will hear the voice of the Son of God and hearing will come alive. If I didn't think it was such a horrible movie, I would quote lines from a song called Come Alive from the greatest showman right now. <laughs> See me after service for more hot takes about movies. <laughs> Great music, don't get me wrong. <laughs> the urgency in this passage that Jesus is saying is miles away from Acts. It's, it's still his crucifixion and resurrection is in the distant future. He has a lot of his ministry ahead of him. And here he is saying that the time has arrived for the dead to hear the voice of the divine and come fully alive. The passage goes on to say, just as the living God has life internally, just so God has granted the Son to have life internally. The NRSV says, has life in himself. So the divine life, out of which springs forth all of life, is contained here in the flesh in Jesus And God has given the Son authority to render justice because He is the Son of Woman. Church, what implications does this have for us as Christ's body? If Christ's authority is in some way, His authority to render justice is somehow tied to His humanity, His humanness, then what does that mean for us who are remembered as the body of Christ each Sunday as we come and make Eucharist together? The passage concludes with Jesus saying, Don't be astonished at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and will come out. Those who have done good to resurrection and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. This is a both and good news, friends. Every Sunday in the Nicene Creed, we confess our faith as we've received it, that there is a coming resurrection. Each week in the prayers of the people, we pray and we name those who have gone before us into death in the belief that they will rise, that life will be restored. But it's both resurrection life today and coming. It's not just this far-off future thing that has no bearing on today. We don't just have to grin and bear it 
because someday things will be made new. But Christ is empowering us through the Holy Spirit to bear witness, to be his witnesses today. Church, resurrection is both here and it is coming. Jesus is revealing that resurrection life is not just for after death, but it is for today. So as you sit here, conscious of death, conscious of what's missing, where you lack or what you need, Give that to God. Receive resurrection living. How can we respond to this good news in a way that's not just niceties and ideas? What do we do with this knowledge that resurrection is for today? Something that's come up in Bates Hendricks in our dinner group a couple of times is the idea of discerning how, how long you live somewhere. If you see things happening in a context where you live that you don't agree with or you don't like, how do you discern whether you're called to be a part of changing that? Or when do you discern to, to pull the ejection hatch and go somewhere else? I don't really know how you discern that. But all I know is that as long as you're here, you're called to be present to what's going on here. That can feel like too much sometimes. It can feel like too much to be present to the loss and the hurt that you see. Whether that's the big picture scope of your surroundings or even the hurt that you're experiencing internally, it can feel too much to be present to it. But friends, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be present to it and bear witness to the rule, of reign, the rule and reign of Christ. Even as we wait for the resurrection and restoration of all things, don't miss it because resurrection is here today. We who were once dead in sin have been brought back to life and Christ is empowering us to really live. Our humanity has granted us authority to live a life committed to love and rendering justice. Going as the body of Christ. Church, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live resurrection, to li live resurrection life today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.